Welcome to another episode of NeuroPodcases, a clinical neuroscience podcast. Hello, my name is Sarah Healy. I'm one of the neurology registrars working at the Walton Centre. I'm here today with Professor Myerson, who's a consultant at the Walton Centre, but also works with Liverpool University, and in the past has worked with the DVLA on the advisory panel. So, hi, Prof. Hello. I was wondering today, Prof, if we could discuss uh, some of your work around the prediction of a second seizure and how that can inform clinical decision-making when in an epilepsy clinic or dealing with patients with an isolated seizure. Uh, This stems from from the work we did in the the MESH trial, which was an MRC-funded study. And the aim of that work was to try and work out whether starting people on anti-epileptic drug treatment after a first seizure was... Uh, a useful thing to do uh, and actually what we found out was that anti-epileptic drugs actually have no impact on, on the long-term history and, and, and don't reduce the risk of people developing epilepsy uh, after a first seizure but but it turned out also that this data set was going to be really helpful for informing decisions about driving and that was particularly useful a number of years ago when the Uh, regulations were being harmonized across the uh, European Union uh, countries. So so we were able to use the MESS data to to try and work out when people might be safe to return to driving after a a first seizure. And and it's it's helpful to know that uh, as a general rule of thumb, people are allowed to drive once their risk of a seizure in the next year has dropped below 20%. And Typically, people's risk of a seizure diminishes over time. So the the longest you go without a seizure or the longer you go without a seizure, the less likely a seizure is to happen. So the question is, after a first seizure, how long do you have to wait before your risk of a seizure drops below 20% in the next year? And that uh, gets uh, considered as a conditional risk because your risk is conditional on the length of time since your uh, first seizure. And if you you use the data from MESH, you you can see that most people's risk of a seizure drops below this 20% barrier uh, once they've been six months without a seizure. And the people with a higher risk of seizure are those that have got an abnormal EEG and those that have got abnormal uh, MRI or or CT imaging. And actually, the, the the strongest biomarker uh, for seizure recurrence is an abnormal EEG. And certainly those with epileptiform changes on their EEG have to wait uh, 12 months or more uh, before their risk uh, drops below 20%. It's not quite as clear for those with an abnormal MRI or or CT head scan, but for operational reasons, the the decision was made that uh, those with an abnormal imaging should wait also uh, 12 months before they return to driving. So, so for simplicity's sake, we've got two main rules for people after a first seizure. One is if your EEG and MRI scan are normal, then you have to wait six months before you return to driving. And if your EEG and imaging is abnormal, then typically people have an MRI scan these days, you have to, you have to wait uh, 12 months. And I think this is a good example of how having operational uh, simplicity does sometimes have conflict with uh, with the evidence because the evidence doesn't quite support uh, people with an abnormal scan waiting uh, 12 months. Okay. 
And in terms of treatment for these patient, patients, if you were to see someone in clinic who had had one seizure and when you investigated them, you went on to find that they had an old infarct that correlated with their semiology, would you start that patient on treatment immediately or would you, would you hold off? Yes, so, so one, one complication here is that the International League Against Epilepsy has redefined epilepsy as, as in, including people with a first seizure and an abnormality, usually either an imaging abnormality or EEG abnormalities, which, which suggest that their risk of uh, another seizure is in, in the realms of 70%. And of course, that was very difficult to calculate for, for any, in, any individual at, uh, at the time of their, their first seizure with any reliability, because there is actually a, a fair degree of uncertainty, even, even from the models in, uh, that, that we've generated from, from MESS. And, and the risk there is that everybody with an abnormal scan and a first seizure gets labelled as having epilepsy. And the group think is to say, well, if they've got epilepsy, we should treat everybody. And what, what the MESS study shows that even if you treat people with an abnormal scan and a first seizure, um, the benefit is fairly small and you risk causing um, side effects and reducing quality of life as a consequence of side effects and also stigma from, from having that label of, uh, of epilepsy. So the general rule of thumb is that you don't make the decision yourself, but you explain to the patient that they're, they're at a slightly higher risk of seizure recurrence and what would they like to do. Mm. Uh, and we can assign some, uh, some numbers to that. But I think we need to take the view that we, we, we need to offer the patient advice to help them make a decision. And my experience is that in that situation, most patients actually prefer not to start treatment and prefer to wait and, uh, until they're is a uh, second seizure before making that decision to start anti-epileptic drug treatment. Okay, great, thank you. Um, I thought to help us kind of frame the um, the conversation, we could just go through a few quick fire um, driving with epilepsy scenarios, if that's okay, Prof. Um, yeah. Um, so looking at this first case, uh, a 35 year old is diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy following recurrent focal seizures with loss of awareness, so complex partial seizure. Uh, she starts on lamotrigine and has been six months seizure-free. So the question with all these cases will be, can they drive? So, so can she drive in this situation, Prof? Uh, and the answer is not yet. Uh, and for people with epilepsy to drive, uh, they generally need to be 12 months completely seizure-free. Uh, there are additional nocturnal seizure rules, but, but in this case, um, uh, she would need to be 12 months seizure-free before returning to driving. Okay, um, so we look at the, some of these nocturnal rules and a few of these other questions, but I'll move on to the next one. Um, an 18-year-old presents to clinic having had recurrent stereotyped events in which he had never lost consciousness, but would get a strong smell and a deja vu feeling that lasted approximately three minutes. These events started two years ago and he gets them approximately twice a month. So can he drive in this situation? Uh, probably is the is the answer here. <laughs> so the judgment to make here is whether these events would have had any impact on their ability to control a motor vehicle. And there are two main issues to consider. One is, uh, do they lose awareness and consciousness such that they would uh, be unable to uh, control the vehicle? Uh, and less of an issue here is whether there is any motor disturbance which would prevent them from uh, controlling a vehicle. So it's really important to take a, a very detailed and, and, and careful 
history uh, and make a judgment about whether the individual uh, completely retains awareness. And of course, that's a very difficult one to get 100% mm. right. The important thing is to inform the patient that they still have an obligation to inform the DVLA and ultimately the DVLA uh, will make the decision. If you're confident that the patient is okay to drive, you don't need to stop them from driving, but the DVLA might stop them from driving until they've made their inquiries. All right. A 28-year-old playing rugby falls badly in the line-out and suffers a head injury. On landing, he has a clear tonic phase followed by chronic convulsions lasting roughly a minute. He comes around quickly and aside from the headache, he seems well. His assessment in the emergency department is unremarkable, including a CT head. So would this gentleman be able to drive? So the short answer to that is, is yes. So, so this would come under a, a category of a concussive seizure. Uh, uh, we have a very clear description of a blow to the head and the seizure was immediate and, and he came around pretty quickly thereafter. In, in the UK, the, uh, the regulations around provoked seizures uh, have recently been updated and, and for most people with a provoked seizure, uh, they would need uh, to go six months uh, before returning to driving, but there are a number of exemptions uh, and, and one of them is uh, concussive seizures, uh, such as the case here. Uh, so a 40 year old has an unwitnessed loss of consciousness. He was well when his wife left the house, but when she returned 10 minutes later, he was semi-conscious, semi confused and had been incontinent. It took hours before he was more like his usual self and investigations including an MRI, EEG and ECG are all unremarkable. So can this gentleman drive? So the short answer to that is no. And the, the challenge here is dealing with uncertainty. And uh, we have an unwitnessed event, so we can't get a good eyewitness description uh, to confirm whether it was a seizure or not. And we're left with some circumstantial evidence. And uh, we've got a, a description of incontinence and uh, confusion. And this indicates this, this uh, should be considered a, an event with, with seizure markers. And by and large, the uh, driving regulations are, are conservative, so that anything that uh, might have been a seizure and we can't confidently say it was something else uh, would be treated in the legislation effectively as if it, if it was a seizure. So this, this individual would need to be six months event-free before returning to driving. Okay. Um, so next one, a 52-year-old with epilepsy since her 20s that had led to both daytime and nighttime seizures for years is the patient we're discussing here. So she had been driving as her seizures had been confined to sleep for the last five years, but she has a daytime seizure when put on ciprofloxacin for an infection. Um, so a bit of a complicated one, but what would your feeling on this one be? Yeah, so uh, this person would need to stop driving for a 12-month period. Okay. So, so this, is, this is a seizure associated with epilepsy. And, the, the, and the, the complicating factor here is what do we mean by a provoked seizure? Mm. And, and clinically and for driving purposes, uh, we might think about this differently. Because in, uh, in general terms, we might consider that this person with epilepsy has had their seizure provoked by taking the ciprofloxacin. However, for, for driving, anybody with epilepsy um, it is very unlikely to be considered to have had a, a provoked seizure. So if this was somebody with no history of epilepsy and there was really strong 
uh, view that the medication like ciprofloxacin had um, provoked the seizure, there might be an argument for uh, considering it as a provoked seizure. But even then, the individual will need to be six months seizure-free before returning to driving. So the short answer is that if anybody with epilepsy has a seizure provoked by a drug, that seizure would still be considered an epileptic seizure rather than a provoked seizure for the driving regulations. Okay. Just to explore the daytime and nighttime seizures for this lady, um, what, what are the rules about seizures from sleep and seizures in, in the day if somebody's got both? Yes, yeah, so, so uh, this changed a number of years ago when the European Union uh, tried to harmonise the uh, regulations across uh, European countries. Um, there are two main rules for people with sleep seizures. One is that if you've had only sleep seizures for a year, then you're allowed to drive. Okay. And if you're someone that's had both sleep and awake seizures, if your sleep seizures continue only, once that's happened for three years, uh, you would be able to drive. So if you've gone three years with only nighttime seizures, you should be eligible to drive. But as soon as you have a daytime seizure, the clock starts ticking again for uh, uh, for another three years. Okay. So, so were this lady to have a daytime seizure without the ciprofloxacin involved, she'd be back to waiting three years for her license to come back. So, yeah. So, so there are two ways of getting back driving. One is just being completely free of seizures uh, for a twelve-month period, and the other is that um, if your nighttime seizures continue, she's going to need to be three years. Uh, with, with only nighttime seizures before returning to driving. Great, okay. Um, so the last case here is a 24-year-old who's been seizure-free for four years and is driving. It's agreed to try and wean his uh, antiepileptic medication, but he has a seizure when his dose is reduced. Um, so what, what's the situation? What would you do in this situation, Prof? Yeah. So again, the guidance from the DVLA is clear. The first thing to say is that um, if we're going to uh, reduce medication uh, for people with epilepsy, we have to tell them to stop driving. And, and, and the rules are that they stop driving whilst they are reducing their medication. And once they've taken their last dose, they have to wait another six months before returning to driving. If uh, somebody has a seizure, provided their usual and, and effective medication is restarted, uh, they can resume driving after another six months rather than having to wait a year, which is uh, what the previous uh, regulation said. Right, great. Um, okay then, Prof, that's brilliant. Thanks for your time um, with this. I know that driving and epilepsy is something that um, a number of us struggle with, um, and I think it's really useful to go through the cases like this. Uh, but hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. But thanks very much. No, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening. For more information about this episode, please visit our website at neuropodcases.co.uk.